to speak to the devil. We need to, to use our authority and command. Or, you know, we see Jesus, he commanded, he rebuked, he uh, cast out, right? All those different things. And we can pray to God and get our, our battle plan if we need to. But whenever we're dealing with demonic forces or we're dealing with the devil, we have to speak to that thing and drive it out. Welcome to the Kingdom Life Podcast, a teaching outreach of Andy Green Ministries. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, we would ask that you please rate, review, and share it with others so it will be a blessing to them. Stay tuned after the episode for important updates and announcements from Andy Green Ministries. Now here's Andy with today's episode. Go with me to uh, Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke his word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you picture that? You know, Jesus is sitting there teaching and then Peter said, Lord, let me, let me set you straight on a couple things. You know, I, I know that you're the Son of God and, and I know that you have the words of life, but, but let me correct you, right? So Peter pulls him aside and goes to rebuke him Verse 33, but when he had turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but things of men. So Satan is men-minded. He's naturally minded, right? So it's not just, you know, these spiritual darkness and, you know, these obvious supernatural things that happen whenever Satan's behind him. He's behind natural things, too, because we, again, we know that he's the God, the little G of this world. He deals in this world system, right? So as he deals in this world system, that's the realm that he's constantly trying to get us in. He's trying to get us to get our focus off of God into the natural realm. Now we'll go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Starting to get ahead of myself. We're going to see that right here. Uh, Verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. So the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down or the casting down of strongholds. And in verse 5, casting down arguments in every high thing that, against, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So these arguments, and we kind of see this digression here. So we see this stronghold that we're trying to prevent from being built. And then it moves down to casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. So we see that thoughts, whenever they get planted, they get built into these arguments. And arguments is reasonings. Right, so now I can reason, and, and if you, a good way that I remember it, or the way that I think about it is, is an argument where my word and God's word don't line up. I'm in an argument, so to speak, with God because I'm saying one thing, but God says another thing. And so if Satan's got me distracted into the natural realm, my word's not going to line up with, with God's word, right? And so <clears throat> another way that you can think about this too is, again, it's reasonings or presumptions. Something I have to fight a lot is I'm an overthinker, right? I overthink everything, and I really have to pay attention and acknowledge that the fact that I'm overthinking and bring it into submission, right? And so I sit there, and I make bigger things out of littler things, and I really have to pay attention or else I'll do that. It's just, it's the way I've been for a long time, and I'm renewing my mind to other ways of doing it. And so I have to really pay attention, and that's a lot of times what 
Satan tries to get us to do is to presume or to assume ahead of time what things are going to happen. So, you know, uh, for instance, if you're constantly thinking negative or that a situation is going to turn out negative or that something's going to happen that never happens, right? He'll try to get us to believe that. So now we're worried about this and worried about that. And that's where worry comes from is that we're presuming things. And so whenever he talks about this building up the stronghold, so it starts with thoughts and then I'll move into these arguments and eventually the longer that we allow that argument to stay wrong, they'll be able to build a stronghold and to be able to build that wrong belief. Is this making sense? So again, the easiest way is to stop it at the thought process, right? And then as the thoughts, you know, if, if you catch yourself, okay, I've meditated on this too long and I'm realizing that, hey, this is really starting to, to eat at me or whatever, one of the best, or, or the best way to stop a thought process is to speak, right? You cannot think of a pink elephant and say a red fire truck at the same time. It's just your mouth, what you say out loud, what you hear yourself saying will always override what you're thinking. And so whenever you speak it out loud, it'll cut that thought process off. Another thing that the devil really hates is whenever you laugh. He's got you worried, got you distressed, and all that, and then you start laughing at it, right? I know in the book of Psalms, it talks about how God laughs mockingly at the enemies, right? And so we can do that same thing because we know that he's under our feet. And we know that Jesus is our authority. And so we can laugh at him and we can know that God's on our side and we can't fail. We also have to remember, too, that God is not going to step in and deal with the devil for us because God has already dealt with the devil. Um, Brother Hagin, in his book, uh, The Believer's Authority, in the chapter that I was reading, uh, he talks about how there was a time he was having a vision with Jesus. And Jesus was speaking to him for about an hour and a half. And towards the end, he said kind of the smoke screen came in and there was this little evil spirit that was jumping around there and, and you know, yelling, uh, I think the way he put it was yakety yak, yakety yak. And uh, he said the little thing looked like a little monkey or a little elf or something like that. And he said Jesus was trying to talk to him and he couldn't, couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. He kept thinking, why, wouldn't, why isn't Jesus dealing with this, this spirit? And so he tried to listen in and try to hear what Jesus was saying. He'd only get parts of what he was saying. And so finally, he got so frustrated that he said, you know, shut up, you foul spirit. And he said, then the spirit, you know, shut up and got down to the ground. And he said, now get out of here. And then he ran out of the room. And so Jesus began to talk to him about how it's our job, it's our authority that God has given us that we have to use against the devil. That God's not going to step in because he's already stepped in. So we have plethoras of Christians today, you know, that are begging God, oh God, you know, deal with the devil in this and deal with the devil in that. And he's, God's not going to answer the prayer of something that he's already told us to do. Amen? So in, we know in James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And somebody might say, well, I resist the devil, and he didn't flee. Well, either you didn't resist him, or he fled, and you're just letting him come back in. Right? So whenever we submit to God and we resist the devil, he has to flee. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, he has to go whenever we resist him. All right, let's talk about our battle plan a little bit. We've talked about these thoughts that come in and they try to um, build into arguments, build into strongholds. We know that the enemy comes in and he'll try to use these thoughts against us to get us into the natural realm. Uh, you know, we have to stop that in its tracks or whenever we realize that, you know, hey, this is a problem, you know, we need to get into the word of God, renew our mind, and we speak to the enemy and command him to go from our mind. Um, and we're able to do that because of Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 
through 11. Go ahead and turn there. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their own lives to death. So we know that Satan, he goes before God and he accuses us before him and he'll come to us. You know, in fact, if you look at the word devil, um, the King James Version kind of throws it off a little bit, but I think all the newer translations has it fixed. Whenever it talks about devil, it's different than demon. Because the word devil is the Greek word diabolos, and the Greek word for demon is something else that I can't pronounce. But they're two different things, and devil actually means slander. So he's the one that slanders. You know, he's the one that goes up, you know, to God, or he'll go to your neighbor and say, hey, you know, you know what they did there? Doesn't that bother you? You know, you deserve better than that. You deserve this. You deserve that. You know, they shouldn't have done that, right? Or they'll go to you, or he'll go to you, and he'll say, you know, you're no good. You're not worth it you know, different things like that. You know, you're not good enough. He's, he slanders. That, that's the whole way that he works. And then, you know, you have the, the demonic realm that'll come in behind and, and play on that and continue to mess with, with you and, and different things like that. But here it says that we overcome him by, of course, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What's the word of our testimony? Is what Jesus has done for us, right? What did Jesus do for us? Go to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, verse 13. There was a time I was ministering in a, uh, it was a city rescue mission in Jacksonville, Florida. I went down there with a friend of mine who'd asked me to come and I fell in love with the ministry there. And so I would just kind of go every once in a while. And I eventually got to, got the privilege of leading the team to go down there and, and to minister. Basically what we do is we'd serve food to the people that came through that were part of the program. And then we would leave and then they would set up for a chapel service. And then we would do a chapel service once a month. And so I remember um, I was with the leader this time, and I was just kind of helping out serving and um, praying with people at the end after he got done preaching. And this man came up to me, and he said, you know, I'm just, I'm having these thoughts of suicide. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's so overwhelming right now. And I was still young, but at the time I still knew that we needed to cast this thing down. You know, we needed to cast the spirit. We needed to, to deal with, with the demonic influence first and foremost, and um, so the guy that was leading it starts praying in tongues. You know, praying in tongues is good, but praying in tongues isn't going to deal with the devil, right? We need to speak to the devil. We need to, to use our authority and command. Or, you know, we see Jesus, he commanded, he rebuked, he uh, cast out, right? All those different things. And we can pray to God and get our, our battle plan if we need to. But whenever we're dealing with demonic forces, or we're dealing with the devil, we have to speak to that thing and drive it out. We have to command it to go. And so... <laughs> Uh, while he was praying in tongues, I commanded it to go, and he got clear-minded and, and different things like that. We were able to minister to him and lead him to Jesus and, and all that good stuff. Um, so again, you know, we have to remember that we're not praying about this. I mean, we have the authority now, but we have to believe it. We can't doubt in our heart. We have to believe it and know what God said and know this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, that we're no longer part of this kingdom anymore. He says in uh, Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The New Living Translation says it like this, he's rescued us and he's transferred us. The Amplified Classic says the father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control 
and of the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love. I see it like, uh, you know, like we're on a conveyor belt. It talks about in the New Kings, he's conveyed us. I see it like on a conveyor belt, like we're one of those machines, the, the arms picks us up and puts us on another conveyor belt that goes the good way, right? So he's delivered us. He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us in to the kingdom of, of Jesus, right? But not, not only that, we don't stop there, but then he gives us the task in the great commission to go and to enforce this new kingdom on the earth over the kingdom of darkness. Because you see, Jesus' ministry Whenever he casts out devils, he shows us two spiritual truths. First, it shows us the direct opposition between the two kingdoms. He shows us that there is a direct battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The second spiritual truth that it shows us with him casting out devils is that the kingdom of God is victorious over the kingdom of darkness. Right? So there's definite opposition, but then the kingdom of God is greater because not once... Did Jesus cast or command a devil to go out and it didn't go? There might have been some, you know, arguing or something like that, but every time Jesus told a demon to go, that demon went, right? So we know that if we've been put into this kingdom, we are sent here to to enforce the kingdom of God into the earth. What does that mean? Setting people free, making disciples, casting out devils, healing the sick, We've been commissioned to do those things here on the earth so that way Jesus' kingdom can advance, right? Because remember, that's what Jesus preached. He preached that the kingdom of God has come near you. And then he said, eventually it will be in you. So now the kingdom's moved on the inside of us, and now we move forward with the authority of that kingdom. Look over in um, the next chapter, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them. So it says that he, uh, the King James Version says he spoiled principalities. New King James says that he disarmed them. He stripped the powers or he stripped the authority from the enemy whenever he went to the cross and then he spent three days in hell and was resurrected. He went down there and he stripped the power from the enemy. So the enemy has no more power over us anymore. We've been delivered, as the Amplified said, we've been delivered from the control of the dominion or the authority of darkness. We've been pulled out of that, and now we've been given this new authority over darkness. And again, we're commissioned to go and to do this and to exercise that authority here on the earth. Look with me in Matthew chapter 18. How do we do that? Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to reference Mark chapter 3, verse 27. It says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless he first binds the strong man. You know, somebody comes to try to break into my house, they're in for a fight, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not just gonna let them come in and steal my stuff, and the devil's not either. But we have the tools, we have the weapons, we have the, the authority to be able to plunder his house, right? Plunder, isn't that a King James Version word? <laughs> right, we, we have the authority to go in and to take back what he's taken from us, um, or, or anything that, how do I say this? I don't wanna say anything you know, what we have authority to take over, right? So if somebody is in need of help, we have, and they give us authority or they give us permission to go in and we can deal with, with Satan on their behalf and come in and, and exercise that authority and allow the kingdom of God to manifest in their life if we have that permission, amen? We can't just go and, you know, do with whatever we want, but you know what I'm saying. Matthew 18, 18. 
Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, right? We're, we're disciples, right? We've carried on. Jesus has passed this ministry to us. The New Living Translation says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I like the Amplified Classic. It says, truly, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. So anything that Jesus provided for us, we have the authority and we have the power to exercise it in our lives on earth, right? We say what, we, what, what goes and we say what comes into our lives. So if I'm dealing with the devil, you know, I'm gonna bind him, bind his work, bind him, send him out, and then a lot of times, you know, I'll call in whatever it, is I, you know, whatever it is I need. So, devil, I bind you. I bind the confusion in the name of Jesus. I command it to go right now, and I call in peace. I allow peace to flow right now through me. Does that make sense? Because it's in the kingdom. Peace is in the kingdom. Joy is in the kingdom. We can allow that to flow from within us and <clears throat> as we exercise or as we cast out or as we drive out the enemy from our life. Real quick, um, in clothing, I want closing, not clothing, closing. I want to talk about um, how faith deals with, how faith kind of intertwines with this. You know, faith intertwines with everything that we do. Everything that we do is by faith, through faith. Uh, <coughs> Kenneth Hagin tells a story about how this woman's sister, they brought this woman's sister to him, and uh, she had spent two years in a mental institution um, after trying to kill herself and kill other people and different things like that. And after two years, her health had deteriorated and, um, you know, just things weren't looking good. So they let her go on a furlough, let her come home. And they brought her to Brother Hagen, and uh, the Lord dealt with him and he commanded, you know, cast the spirit out. You know, I, I commanded you to come out, you foul spirit. Nothing happened. Uh, and then he said after, like, I think it's two days went by, and uh, they got a call, and she was, you know, lashing around, and Brother Hagin said he didn't bother him a bit. He knew that, that that demon that was on the inside of her was giving her one last fit as he was coming out. And sure enough, you know, after that, they got her involved in church, and like 27 years later, she was still serving, um, teaching Sunday school, different things like that. Um, but he, whenever he spoke, he didn't see an immediate manifestation. There was no different, no change right there. And then two days later, whenever it seems like things are getting worse, he knew that he released his faith and he just waited for that thing to produce, right? <clears throat> so whenever we speak, if we don't see something instantaneously, that's okay. We just stay in our faith and just know that when we release our faith, then it's gonna happen, right? So if I resist him, even if things don't look better right away, I still know that I resisted him and I'm gonna stand on that word and know that he's resisted and that he's fleeing from me. Because he doesn't have a choice because the word of God says he doesn't have a choice. So we stand on the word regardless of what things look like. And one of the best ways that we can do that, uh, go with me real quick to Luke chapter 7. Read about the centurion. Luke chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. The best way to do that is that we live this as a lifestyle. We live faith as a lifestyle. You know, it's hard for us to not believe God for anything and, and to not confess and to not meditate on the word and then to go, okay, God, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, this bill's due and I need this right away, right? 
And now all of a sudden, you know, we're confessing and doing all this when the bills already do, and we haven't built that up on the inside of us. The same thing goes with our authority. We need to learn to live in authority because remember, James 4, 7 says that we submit to God first and then we resist the devil. So we live our lives submitted to God. What does that mean? Dealing with our flesh, mostly, right? Keeping our flesh under. So the centurion, um, Luke chapter 7, verse 6 through 10, then Jesus went with them and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under place and under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, let me ask you this. Did he ever expect or ever think during this time that he's, he's talking about that he would say something and it not be done? I mean, he's... he's a commander in an army, right? I remember whenever I was in the military, I was new, and you know, so all the new guys get all the the hard jobs, you know, and the things that everybody else, you know, doesn't want to do. I remember I was told to clean out this bilge, and uh, there's oil and different things like that in there, and so I said, you know, I pumped it out as much as I could, and uh, there was a little leak, you know, that was coming down, it was causing all the problems, and so the the first class petty officer that came and you know told me to do it, our duty officer came and told me to do it. You know, I went and told him, you know, hey, I pumped it out, and I got it as clean as I could, but there's a little leak coming. He said, well, is the bilge clean? I said, no, the bilge isn't clean because there's a little leak coming. He said, well, I didn't ask for excuses. I asked for results. So it's like, all right. So we went, and we found a way. There wasn't a way to fix it right away because we were waiting on parts, but it tied a bucket underneath it, and we caught it, and we were able to take all the deck plates out and clean the bilge, and so the bilge was clean, Right? So whenever he gave that order, he didn't expect an excuse to come back. He wasn't taking an excuse to come back or anything like that. And that's the way this centurion lived. So he understood that whenever Jesus told this sickness to go, that it had to go. And the same thing goes with, with evil spirits or, you know, Satan's work or anything. Whenever we speak to it and we command it to go, it has to go because of the word of God says so. Right? And so, again, we have to get used to living under authority but we also have to get used to, you know, taking authority in our everyday lives. You know, it's going to be really, really difficult to, commit, uh, to command the devil to go and expect him to go if we have a hard time telling our flesh no to a candy bar, right? So we have to learn to take control over our flesh and deal with that. And then, you know, as we, as we do that, you know, it'll become, I won't say, uh, it'll become easier or more natural for us to deal with with the demonic things and the supernatural things and, and things like that. Amen? So we have the power. God has given us the power to exercise the kingdom of God on the earth. And we're so thankful for that, right? Because now we don't have any excuse. We can live life victorious. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kingdom Life Podcast. Again, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others. You can also help us be heard by rating it and leaving a review. For other resources, please visit www.andygreenministries.com. Thank you for listening.